0: The National Disability Insurance Scheme is the second most expensive social program for the federal government behind defence. Now, with last year's federal budget... It was revealed that costs will continue to grow 14% per year for the next decade. Now, a report by the Productivity Commission has revealed spending on the NDIS exceeded $29 billion last financial year, while the number of people accessing the the scheme grew by more than 68,000. Now, without a doubt, the scheme is in high demand, but the Productivity Commission has also revealed it takes almost 50 days for the first plan to be approved for an NDIS participant. Sam Connor, uh, you're the People With Disability Australia Vice President. The Productivity Commission was looking at the efficiency and effectiveness of key government services for this report. In the NDIS section of this report, uh, what came as a surprise to you?
1: Hi, Andy, um, I think there's a number of surprises, and I think there's also a number of omissions um, in the data that I've had a look at just then. Um, the biggest surprise for me is the number of children that are in the scheme. And, you know, when I'm talking to agencies like um, Southwest Autism Network, um, they tell me that the number, you know, the amount of money that kids are funded for is significantly less. So when you look at the fact that almost half of the people who are in the scheme aren't adults, um, that was probably my biggest surprise.
0: I mean, the federal budget last year forecast the NDIS cost would grow uh, by 14% a year for the next decade. No doubt this is an invaluable service. I feel like whenever we talk about the NDIS, we get uh, you know, feedback on the text line of people saying it's a vital service. I can't do without it. That said, where can spending be reined in? Is the sole answer to that question cracking down on fraud, for example?
1: I think there absolutely is a
0: fraud problem. It's it's with the,
1: um, you know, bigger providers and big networks of providers who have um, different, you know, quite often they've come from places like being, um, you know, family daycare services, etc. But I'm not convinced actually that The numbers that we have are the accurate numbers. When you look at what the reported numbers are, this is about the committed amount of money. They say the plan that you're given is, you know, X amount of dollars, but they're not actually reporting on the spend. And we know that, you know, for Aboriginal people, only um, there's a sort of 50% underspend, and it's something like. or eighty percent, I understand. It, I think it is. So it's it's the amount of money that we're given. We're not able to spend it. It might be for a range of reasons, including the lack of services, including the pandemic, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I think there needs to yeah. be a lot more answers. Yeah, that's
0: interesting because the the government obviously established this task force to tackle fraudulent claims for uh, payments yeah. to the NDIS. Yes, I think they've exposed what two Victorian companies who are charging taxpayers for services that were never delivered. How prevalent is the problem? I mean. Is there a risk that this task force will open up, a, you know, a, a can of worms that it won't be able to put back in?
1: Yeah, look, huge can of worms, I think. Um, the answer to this will probably be from government. We need everyone to be registered providers, but we don't think that that's the answer because registered providers, you can go and buy a registered provider of services off Gumtree right now for about 80000 bucks with clients. So... You know, that's really not the answer. The answer is to make sure that people with disability have got more choice and control and to make sure that we've got more control over our funding and we can see where the funding is going. So that's quite often where the fraud gets picked up is when we're making those reports to government and to the Quality and Safeguards Commission. Um, it's tip-offs um, from people with disability themselves that have... The, the reason that we're actually able to catch those people
0: sam connor the state's contribution to the ndis are fixed of course leaving the federal government facing the prospect of picking up the bill for the growing costs in future years that becomes everyone's burden is there any sign the states might be willing to step up and pay a little bit more for the scheme why is so much of the responsibility only on the federal government
1: So, originally, there were bilateral agreements and they stated that people would be responsible, you know, the states would be responsible for a decreasing amount of money per year. And so, that's changed over time, obviously. And then a few years ago, um, they had these bilateral agreements which set out the conditions of those. A few years ago, there was a bit of argy-bargy between the states and the feds to say, look, we think you should take more responsibility for mainstream services. But that resulted in the NDIA itself rejecting things, which were, you know, somebody in a country town can't get around, needs an off-road vehicle, you know, an off-road wheelchair, and, you know, the planner would come back and say, well, it's the responsibility of the local government to put down a pavement. (laughs) Of course, yes, it is, but it's not going to help you in the short term. So, at the moment, we still have that argy-bargy where we have, for example, people who are stuck in hospitals at the cost of the state because they can't access accommodation and in the rental crisis of course that's got bigger so there still remains a huge amount of stuff to be worked out.
0: D in Melbourne's texted in 0418 226576 makes a good point can we cut back on military spending obviously that's the, the, the big <laughs> item in the federal budget the NDIS is only the second she suggests or he suggests we should do a show on that great point if you just tuned in Sam Connor is the people with disability Australia vice president we're talking about the productivity commission's latest report on government services including the NDIS. NDIS. NDIS here on RN Drive. Now, that commission revealed nationally in the June quarter of 2022, it took an average of seven days for a decision to be made on access to the NDIS. Is that acceptable to you?
1: Yeah, I was surprised by that because, you know, anecdotally, it's a lot more. Um, I think that's the, I think it's not so much the access, it's the, um, um, you know, the The plan being approved itself. What it doesn't say is that it's a sufficient plan, you know, that the plan isn't having to go to review and, you know, so that you've got what you need, essentially. So, you know, I think the data that we need on top of this is to say, yes, you've gotten into the NDIS in an acceptable amount of time and it's the plan that you need you know, the plan arrives at you, you know, gives you what you need to be who you are and has funded
0: what you need. Uh, The approvals for first plans take an average of 48 days. That's a decrease from 69 days in 2020. I mean, still a long wait if you're in dire need of this sort of support. 69 days seems like, well, a long time. 48 still seems like a long time. Why should participants wait 50 days for their first plan?
1: Um, I think a lot of those things have, there has been some improvements in the time. And again, you know, this doesn't say it's gonna be a good first plan, um, but there has been improvements with the participant guarantee, I think. So well done to the NGAA for that. Um, It does need to be right. You know, they do need to take the time to get it right. What we are hearing from our members and from people on the ground is that they're asking for more and more paperwork, more red tape. Um, There was a Queensland doctor who said, you know, they had all of the paperwork for a person and the one piece of information from one person who had a permanent disability and it said that they had a permanent disability, the... um, the letter from the doctor was two day, two months out of date and therefore they wouldn't accept it and they had to go back and get more specialist reports. you know. And that kind of bureaucratic burden is something that's, you know, really holding things up for people.
0: Before you go, I do want to ask about a curious line in the Productivity Commission's report. There was apparently 1.5 million notifications about the use of unauthorised restrictive practices, including environmental, chemical and environmental restraints. What's Mm -hmm. happening here? What exactly does that mean?
1: Um, it can mean it, it can mean quite a lot of things that are, you know, there, there is a lot of paperwork around things. So, for example, if you had a person who has Prader-Willi syndrome, where they need to have um, a restriction on their access to food for the fridge, you know, because they have a condition which makes them eat inc- uncontrollably, and quite often people will die from obesity. So, you have to lodge a form with that with the um, commission to say that you're doing that. But it also means people who are tied to chairs. It also means people who are chemically restrained through using you know, sedative drugs, so it's a lot. Um, When you look at the number of people, you know, it's 16.6% of people with disability who are being... um, who are having restricted practices used against them. And when you look at the actual number of people that is, that is enormous. That's, you know, there's half a million people in the NDIS. And
0: is there a a connection in your mind to the 7,000 serious incidents, including sexual misconduct, serious injury, abuse and neglect that the NDIS complaints watchdogs received? I mean, you know, obviously in disability group homes over the past four years, this, I mean, seems to be a trend, does it not?
1: It really does, and the number of you know I think the number is vastly under under underreported. It's only the numbers that are reported to the NDAs Quality and Safeguards Commission. If you looked at complaints to providers as well, you'd be tripling that, I would say. Um, You know, there's there's really I think that was the other big surprise for me the the number of um, people. I'd really love to see those complaints disaggregated, and I'd really like to know how many are referred to police.
0: Yeah, the more data, the better. Sam Connor is the Vice President of People with Disability Australia here on RN Drive. Appreciate your time. Great.
1: Thanks, Andy. Find more great ABC RN stories that take you beyond the headlines on the ABC Listen app.